The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the fence sider with the PH. They give it to Miller again. Touchdown! Right up the middle, walks into the end zone. Lamar Miller got it rolling now. Boy, that running game. Different offense here in the second half. Back to throw, getting pressure, takes it off, up in the air. Landry, touchdown! All right! Puts it away from the defender. To Finsider Radio with your host, Matthew Kanata, co-host Aaron Sutton, and James Radio Fearer. Our producer is James McKinney. And welcome to another edition of Finsider Radio. I apologize for that kind of blowing through your speakers. Hopefully we didn't wake up your kids. Uh, we had no control over that with the volume. We tried to adjust it through that intro. But again, hopefully your kids are still sleeping. Hopefully your wife is sleeping. If you're a female, hopefully your husband's still sleeping. If you live alone by yourself, hopefully you didn't fall out of your chair and uh, die at us. Uh, so here we are. I'm Matt Kanata. I'm your host. I am joined tonight by Aaron Sutton. James Radio Fiera had to work tonight, or so he says. Uh, who the hell knows what he's doing? James McKinney is on vacation. So Sutton, it's me and you tonight, buddy. Let's do this, baby. Let's do it. All right, we're going to get going in just a few minutes here, but I just want to talk about – the game against the New York Giants on Friday evening, of course, delayed with the start of inclement weather and, and so forth. Everybody was excited. It was the first preseason game for the Dolphins. Football was back. Okay, we were going to see the brand new offense. We are going to see Ryan Tannehill. We were going to see the next step taking this, this new quarterback under this new head coach in a new offensive system. And then the first snap of the game happened, and all hell broke loose. Oh, my God, Jesus Christ. You should have seen the reaction on Twitter, on the live thread, on Facebook. It was absolutely brutal. Everyone was talking. Everyone was preaching during training camp. Not everyone. I know we were. I know a lot of other people were preaching. Don't overreact. Be patient. It's going to be fine. They have plenty of weeks to uh, give up all the kinks. And then after the first, once the once kickoff ensued against the Giants, I don't know, a, a switch flips on it. Everybody, it seems like, and they just started trashing the Dolphins. The freaking second, third play of the game. Oh, Tannehill is a bum. Fire Adam Gase. I saw that tweet. Fire Adam Gase, if you believe it or not. Just let that sink in. Somebody was asking, more than one person actually, was asking for Adam Gase to be fired because three plays in the game, the offense couldn't do anything. It's let just unacceptable, in. MC Money. It's uncalled for. Were you one of the ones calling for Gates to be fired? Yes. You know what? I'm <laughs> livid about it. It really upsetted me that he wasn't able to throw a 75-yard bomb on the very first play. That's yeah, very disappointing. It really is. I mean, you expect the guy to come out and just freaking throw touchdowns all over the field, right? I look mean, what, duh. Look, look, what, look what Brandon Daugherty did when he came in at the end of the game. He was just slinging that ball around. Why couldn't Tannehill do that? <laughs> so hopefully you guys send us some sarcasm, okay? Um, it's really ridiculous that after the first few plays of the game, people were about to jump off the cliff. How bad it is during a season when things aren't going the right way for the Dolphins. It's just insufferable. Um, it's never going to change with the way people react. It's 
I, I don't want to say human nature because it's really not normal to react that way when you know the expectations for preseason game number one under a new coach and a brand new system on both sides of the ball with things being tinkered with, you know it's not going to be that good. Uh, and not to mention, it was Adam Gase's very first time on the sideline as a head coach. You got to think he was a little nervous. Vance Joseph's very first time calling a game. You got to think he was a little nervous. Clyde Curtis has been around the block plenty of times. But remember, he's not calling the plays. Gase is. So Gase is worried about him making his head coach. He's worried about calling the right plays. And he's, he's just worried about a whole bunch of crap. And I'm sure that contributed to it. They'll take on the Cowboys on Friday night. Hopefully we see an improvement. But really, you can attribute it to different things that happened to the first-team offense. And, so, and why don't you give us an overview of that first-team offense against the New York Giants and what went wrong, what went right? Did anything go right with the offense? No, not particularly. Um, the first-team offense, of course, did not get a first down while they were together, so that was disheartening. Um, you saw how quickly the pass rush got to Tannehill, so that was a little concerning as well. Um, you saw Dallas Thomas get abused on a play, and several actually, and that shouldn't really come as a shock anymore. And um, But also, you know, Jawan James and Brandon Albert played a little bit shaky as well. So of the four pass attempts that Tannehill had in that preseason game, he was – Within, you know, the pass rush was there within two and a half seconds on three of those four pass attempts. So, obviously, that's got to get shored up. Um, hopefully, the the news that I've been seeing about Laramie Tunzel playing a little bit more at left guard, obviously, they're not going to come out and say, aha, we're just bluffing. Of course, we were going to give it to him right away. Of course, they're going to say that it's, you know, he still has to earn it and he's really far behind and all that kind of stuff. They're still going to play to this kid's. Um, you know, the chip on his shoulder. So, of course, they're going to keep going with that. So, I'm really looking for Tunsil to just take this position, make it his. No one else claims it. And he proves that against the Cowboys this upcoming preseason game. And just kind of a general, just the overall first team um, offense, it was a, a lack of rhythm, some penalties, stuff that we're used to seeing. Um, we were in terrible third third down situations. We're not doing stuff on first down. So it's stuff that we're used to seeing, but obviously, like you said, it's early in this whole process. We can't we can't expect a well-oiled machine at this point. So let's take it with a little bit of grain of salt. Right. And some players that, that stood out to me on the offensive side of the ball, and you gave us not going to get into an overview of that, uh, players that stood out to me in a good way and a bad way. Dallas Thomas, you mentioned, was absolutely terrible. Got bull rushed several times. He looks completely lost out there. You would think he was a rookie, seventh round pick rookie. Brent Albert looked slow. He wasn't. He w- he was just getting overpowered by Olivia Vernon the entire, you know, time he was out there. Pretty much, he needs to step it up. Someone actually told me on Twitter that he was only getting fifty percent. I'm sorry, but if you're gonna left tackle and you're protecting the blind side of my franchise quarterback. You sure as hell better not be only giving 50% out there. You better be giving it your all. I can see other guys, running backs, maybe some wide receivers, defensive backs, sure, giving 50%. Anyone on that offensive line giving 50%, no way in hell are you doing that because you are protecting the quarterback. And if your quarterback goes down in the very first preseason game, in any preseason game, and that's on you, that is not good news to be in the locker room. So I, I don't buy that from what that person was telling me on Twitter. Anyways, Ryan Tannehill, a lot of people were getting on his case. It was not his fault, people. Not his fault. You can nitpick. You can say he should have scrambled. You can nitpick. You could say he should have thrown it to another guy two, two, two three fields. There's no need to nitpick in this. He had no time to throw. He was getting rushed. He was getting people thrown in his face. The only thing I could say that was that he actually did that we haven't seen him done in the past is when Vernon, he was backed up in his own end zone. When Vernon rushed the side, when Jordan Cameron missed the chip, when jo- uh, Olivia Vernon rushed around him and went straight to Tannehill. Tannehill sensed that he was coming. He scrambled away and threw the ball away. Okay, we, in years past, we would have seen Tannehill probably take that sack. 
Hell, we saw it against Dallas last year where he had completely no idea anybody was coming in. And guess what? Locked there too. Or he may have had an out and Tannehill uh, wasn't looking that way. So people say that we didn't learn anything about Tannehill because of the situation, but I would agree. I would say, though, that pocket presence on that particular play. Sure, guys on offense stood out to me in a bad way on the first team. Jawan James looked just average. Nothing wrong with the right tackle being average, but the stigma of him being a first-round pick sticks in your mind. It's not his fault he was a first-round pick. It's basically like Ted Ginn syndrome. I'm not saying they're the same. Obviously, they're not. Jawan James is a little better than Ted Ginn, although it's hard to compare since they play two completely different positions. But when you have when you have a first-round pick, you obviously want to see someone be pretty dominant, especially when you're picking a tackle. And Billy Turner, no, not many people are getting his case because they're still giving him some chances. And But he, he didn't look that great either. So that's it for me on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, so, and I don't know if I missed any players that you wanted to speak about. If I did, jump in with them. If I didn't, jump over to the defensive side of the ball for the first team. Okay, yeah. just um, And I'm sure we'll talk more about our little mighty mouse, but Jakeem Grant showed me some stuff running his routes that I was pretty impressed with. Just how instantly he gets separation from people was pretty impressive to see that uh, live during the game. Uh, Isaiah Pete had a few good carries. I think he's starting to distance himself from Damian Williams and uh, Daniel Thomas. And I thought Leonard Tunsil, you know, had quite a few snaps in there and, and played pretty well while he was in there. Um, granted, this is not the first-team offense, but some, some offensive players that kind of stood out in the game for me. Now, going back to the first-team defense and that, those first couple of drives they were in, uh, we obviously need to have the background that, we didn't have several starters playing for us, so we have to take that into consideration. And uh, that that first drive was a little tough because it's stuff that, again, we've seen before shooting ourselves in the foot with penalties and just letting a team just kind of methodically drive down the field. If you look at that game in hindsight and you see us go down seven and nothing where they open up the game like that and then we go three and out, I mean, that is the worst possible script for the beginning of the game that you can possibly get, in my opinion. So I was really just impressed with the overall team to be able to bounce back from that, you know, being down 10 nothing, and then to score 27 unanswered points is not like a team that we're used to seeing. I mean, to have that kind of resiliency was pretty impressive. So just got to give it up for the, for the overall um, team display there. Uh, but going back to the first-team defense, you know, again, the penalties, and Gay said, him, said himself in that press conference that the tackling was a little bit poor, that he actually thought Vance Joseph made some good defensive play calls, had an extra number in the box, and we're just not executing with the tackling. We should expect the tackling to be a little bit behind at this point, especially considering how – the uh, training camps and OTAs, stuff like that, has changed in the off season since the last CBA was enacted. So, you know, there's a lot less pads and a lot less physicality. So, of course, tackling is going to be a little bit behind. So, um, like they said in that press conference, they, they expect tackling to get short up here in the next week or two and uh, to be able to start making those plays. Yep. Uh, speaking of tackling, keep look. He looks, I don't know. I guess, I don't know if he looks fast. He was hitting the right spots. He was having trouble tackling. He missed that obvious stop on the goal line. Uh, I, I looked at every play that he was in. He had good coverage when he was asked to cover the guys. The linebacker situation in Miami just needs to get better because Misi, you get Misi, you know what you're getting with Misi, you know what you're getting with Jenkins. People are hoping that Alonso is going to reshore that up and fix the linebacker position and, and you know, provide some stability during the middle. We'll see as the preseason goes on. Remember, these uh, guys are playing for the first time in numerous months, so it's going to take some time to get the rust off. Anyone who's who's played sports know that the first time you pick a baseball bat, let's say, in about six months, you're not going to be like you were when you were at the peak of your season. It's just not going to happen. So we'll see how that happens. Um, Guys, this stood out to me on defense for the first team. Like you said, uh, the starters, a lot of them were not playing. We had Kiko in there, Tony Lippett up and down there, but Bobby McCain had good coverage, had that nice interception uh, in the beginning part of the game. 
that is something to definitely keep an eye on there. Moving to the backups on offense, uh, Sutton, what did you think from that as an overall view? Again, like I said, uh, you know, if we're considering quote-unquote Laramie Tunsil being a backup right now, I thought he played some good snaps in there and actually, you know, and you could see it, the pockets for Matt Moore and for Zach Dicer and um, for, you know, Brandon Dowdy, those pockets just seemed cleaner and they had a better, you know, they had a better, um, just better overall protection to sit back there and, and go through their progressions and make some good throws. So, I thought just overall, you know, the depth was better. I think that's the one conclusion that we can make is, you know, after our first teamers go down 7 nothing like that, like I said, and then we have that goal line stand to hold them to a field goal, keeping it 10 nothing. then we scored 27 unanswered points. I think you have to deduce that the depth that we have is a little bit better, that we were able to outscore that other team by 27 straight points with our second, third, fourth, fifth stringers on the field. Um, I, th- I think the offensive line, like I said, got a little bit better as the game went along. And I think that should give us a little bit of a sigh of relief because, you know, we got Jermon Bushrod, 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 Jermon Bushrod. Mm, yes. Bushrod. He impressed yes. the hell out of me. <laughs> he, he, he impressed the um, hell out of me. So can I jump in yeah. real quick? Oh my gosh. I mean, Think about how impressive a Bushrod can, can be. Can we just rename this. our podcast German Bushrod Podcast? I, I would very much love so to release that inner 12-year-old boy in me that laughs at stupid stuff like that. But, hey, I'm just <laughs> – I, I am what I am, MC Money. I can't, I can't run from it anymore, you know? Listen, listen, real quick before – I'm going to let you continue, but hold on. Before I let you continue, German Bushrod – impressed the hell out of me in in this game. Um, he was jumping off the line, jumping into double blocks. Uh, at one point, he took on two guys. He had one guy on one shoulder, the other guy on the other shoulder. I posted a line on my Twitter the other day. Damn. And, uh, and whoever was running, I don't remember who the running back was at the time, just jumped into that hole and got a few extra yards because of that. So Bushrod should should be starting at right guard. And console, those two guard spots, I think you would have a very nice offensive line. But we only see what we see in the games. Hopefully, Bushrod continues to excel. Anyway, I jump off my German Bushrod bandwagon soapbox. Continue on, Sutton. Oh, you always want to jump on Bushrod. You never want to get off Bushrod. You just want to <laughs> jump on it, okay? But <laughs> that is right. How'd you know? Anyway, no, no, maybe that's no, a, maybe you're, that's you're a radio right. <laughs> No, he made some good plays, you're right. And, you know, and Adam Gase has been singing his praises in the press conferences with, you know, when he when he's asked about Tunsil transitioning to guard, he always kind of references Jermon Bushrod going to guard too, going from left tackle to right guard yeah. this late in your career to to go through those kind of drastic changes and to just kind of go with it and grab the bull by the horns and just see what you can do. He, he just seems to display a good attitude and like he said, make some plays. And I really don't give a shit who plays right guard as long as they make some plays, you know, whether it's Bushrod or Craig Urbeck or Dallas Thomas or Billy Turner, I don't really care. I just want somebody in there to do their job. And that's really all we kind of want out of that offensive line. But, you know, like I said, some pretty good depth there that I saw, um, in the second half of that game and, you know, in the second quarter. You mentioned Leonte Carew. He had some nice catches there. Um, I mentioned Isaiah Pete having a couple of nice runs in there. And Brandon Dowdy, I thought, looked pretty poised in there for his first preseason game. You know, being a hometown kid and playing his first game with the Dolphins, I thought he came in and made some nice reads and made a couple of plays in there and like I said, look pretty poised. Adam Gase again, praising his his uh, his performance in the press conference and and saying that he's being able to see uh, these throws kind of happen on the fly. So in other words, you know, seeing those windows that are open and throwing it to the window, not necessarily what his eyes are telling him at the time. And CT on the thin side, or one of the, you know one of the more respected members that we have, had mentioned that that's one of the really 
key elements to a young quarterback in terms of um, separating themselves from others, being able to throw, make those anticipation throws at an NFL level. And hopefully we can see a little bit more of that going into next week against Dallas. Yeah, very good, very good points. So for me on the offensive side of the ball, some guys who really stood out, Sam Young was the right tackle. He did a hell of a job. I know he hasn't shown consistency over the years, but I think maybe he had one or two bad plays out of all the snaps he was in, and he played most of the game. Grant, like you mentioned earlier in the show, special teams, this, this guy is going to be special if he can stay healthy and on the field. You just talked about Brandon Doughty, who, who was, looked phenomenal. That's going to be very, very interesting to watch, especially if Ryan Tannehill begins to struggle this coming season. And also keep in mind, if there is a quarterback in the NFL who goes down in training camp, Matt Moore may be an option to be chopped around as well. Leontay Cruz showed his strong, good hands. I think he's going to be a nice security blanket for Tannehill. On the offensive line, Jameel Douglas looked really bad. He got fouled over numerous times. He's a third-string center right now. He really needs to step it up if he wants to make the final 53-man roster. And Isaiah Pete as well also had great vision. Um, he looked like he had a pep in his step, maybe trying to prove a point that he can still play in the NFL. On the running back front, saw, oh, God, that guy can never go away. The two Thomases between the both of them. I don't know which one is going to be on longer. Uh, they might just be around forever. I don't freaking know. But Daniel Thomas lacked. We saw Daniel Thomas lack the vision that we've always seen him lack. Listen, we know what we're getting with Daniel Thomas. So that's the backup offensive uh, side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball for the backups, uh, Sutton, what did you have for that? The backup defense, very impressive to me. And, you know, like I said, keep going back to it, the way we started that game going down 7 nothing in the worst possible way, it was really nice to see this defense respond with four turnovers. I mean, we got two fumbles. We got two interceptions. We almost had another fumble on, um, you know, Mike Hall popped that ball loose from Bobby Rainey on that punt return. Uh, they were able to recover it. But those, you know, you just you try to get in that fumble lottery and you just you pop your fist in there and see what happens, see if you can get that ball out. And it seems like they're doing a lot of that. You saw a nice play by Lafayette Tips, you know, had that pass deflection, was able to pop it up in the air, and A.J. Hindy was able to come down with it. Um, you saw some awareness uh, picking up that ball that, that Logan Thomas fumbled um, for the Giants there, and we, we were able to snag that up. So to have four four turnovers after going down like that, I thought showed some resiliency, like I said earlier, and that's really important, I think, for defensive character to just have that resiliency, to have that grit, to get a little pissed off when you get behind and to start making plays and not, you know, Put your put your uh, put your head in the sand and just hide from it. You know they they really embraced it and seemed to bounce back from it. Um, I thought we got some good pass rush. Um, again, I always come back to the run defense would be my my main concern because I think we all acknowledge that the secondary is a little bit weak right now with what we have. Uh, it remains to be seen if Xavier Howard's going to come in and you know, have the uh, have the health to be able to compete right away and uh, steal some snaps away and hopefully start for us. Um, but it's it's inter- interesting to see uh, what's going to happen in that secondary because we're going to have to make offensive one-dimensional if our secondary is going to be weak because if we can't stop the pass game and we can't stop the run, uh, that's really bad. So I'm hoping that our, our D tackle step up a little bit. Chris Jones, I was a little bit higher on in training camp. Heard that he had made some plays and stuff. And uh, from what I saw in that game was not that great. So I was a little less spectacular on that. And just a, a little bit concerned with our, our DT play and seeing how we're going to be able to stop the run on a consistent basis. What do you see, MC Money? First of all, I just saw a tweet that said Hard Knocks is coming on at 10 p.m. I completely forgot about it. I can't tell you how fucking excited I am right now. And I'm sorry if you have kids listening. I'm sorry if you're uh, playing our podcast as a bedtime story for your kids right now and they just heard that. Just tell them it means something completely different. Um, but, wow, I'm just excited because I'm going to see the Rams when they Los Angeles in the very first play. The Cowboys running it back for a freaking touchdown on a kickoff return. 
Anyways, on the defensive side of the ball, I looked at the tape. Uh, a few players stood out for me. Cleon, Cleon Lang, the defensive lineman, he, he made some good plays. He'll, he has an uphill battle. He's a defensive end. We know that uh, that's a very, very deep position, practice squad possibility for him. Julius Wormsley, another defensive end who plowed through a few guys. I put some Vine clips up tonight on my Twitter page, at Finnsider with a F-I-N-S-I-D-E-R, if you want to see the Vine clips. Again, he has to show some more consistency. He did flash a little bit, but he pulled up a bunch. Jordan Phillips, to me, was very dominant. He, he plowed through a bunch of guys. It looks like he might be, you know, finally figuring things out. If he can maintain that consistency game after game, play after play, we could have something special budding here. Uh, so with the Game Pass, NFL Game Pass, which is a ridiculous freaking price of $100, I'm just going to write it off as my, uh, as a tool needed to do this podcast. <laughs> they don't have the all. They don't I'll, have the I'll, pay, I'll pay you back, MC Money. I'll pay you back, buddy. I appreciate it because that's on my uh, <laughs> secret credit card that my wife doesn't know about. Uh, right. We all have one of those secret credit cards, right? We just keep on racking up money on. Yeah, it's, it's not good. No, so, I think that's just you, New Englanders. You, you <laughs> and how you pronounce, you and how you pronounce quarterback and your secret credit card. Oh, no, oh my God! Everyone makes fun of me, but you just said quarterback, and that reminds me, the Dolphins named their stadium Hard Rock Stadium, and it was supposed to be Qatar, Qatar, what, however you say, it, Qatar Airways Airlines Stadium. I'm gonna have more on that towards the end of the show, guys, in about 20 minutes. So please stick around. It's Hard Rock Stadium, but it was very Qatar Airways Airway Stadium. I'll tell you why they were not Qatar Airlines Stadium. I sound like the dude from American Idol. We'll tell you the winner right after the break. We don't have breaks on this show. We just keep on going. We are commercial free. We do this for the love of the Miami Dolphins, and we do not make you sit through commercials. Although, if we wanted to make some money, Sutton, we can. We can start playing some commercials. Um, I don't even know what we're talking about. Oh, quarterbacks. Okay, so you make fun of me now. Quarter, you know, quarterback. Kathy DeMotto makes fun of me at Catherine on Twitter. She used to live near me when she was on the minor league baseball team. She moved back up to New York a few months ago or a few weeks ago, but she used to make fun of me all the time. You got you guys are the ones pronouncing it wrong. We're pronouncing it right. No, um, no, dude. You put like two extra syllables in there. It's just quarterback. There's three syllables, and you guys do and what like quarterback. So oh, there's God. like four syllables that you guys make before we even do two. So I don't know how you guys do it, but I love it. Don't get me wrong. I think it's kind of cool. That's I wish I could talk shit. like that sometimes. I sound like a damn go hick. To, so. Go to hell. Go to hell. <laughs> um, so defense, I mentioned Con Lang. I mentioned Julius Wormsley. I mentioned Jordan Phillips. I was saying with the NFL game pass, it's hard to see the cornerbacks because the all-22 package is not available for preseason or just wasn't available for week one or for this game, for that matter. I didn't look at any other things. I am concerned about the linebacker depth. They were struggling a little bit. They weren't hitting all their holes. Um, one guy who was a complete non-factor in the game was Chris Jones. He, he was in most of the game. He was just getting eaten up. So he is going to need to pr- improve. He's a defensive tackle. We'll see where he stands with that. Okay, we talked enough. Let's go to our live thread. Let's go to Twitter. Let's go to our live thread. We have no callers right now on queue. If you want to call us, 347-326-9461. Again, that is 347-326-9461. Please come talk to us. We do not bite. We will not hang up on you. You'll come on the air. You'll ask your question. We will answer it. That is not a fake phone number. You won't get some crazy, uh, I, don't, I don't know, some crazy club that you start calling, start talking Miami Dolphins football, and they have nothing to do with it. So, so call that in, Sutton. We'll talk to you on the side. He'll bring you on to the show, and then we'll have some fun from there. Anyway, so let's go to the live thread first on the Finsider.com. It's a little quiet tonight. I'm a little surprised after the first preseason game, but I guess everyone's all, you know, they have no energy from flipping out the other day. So what do we got on the thread? All right, we got a few questions from one of my oldest buddies on here, PC Principal, a.k.a. Shawnee, if anybody's been on here for a few years. Um, That's cute that you have a question. <laughs> what did you say? I said that's cute that you have internet buddies. Oh yeah, I know. It's you know, it's kind of hard living in <laughs> Cleveland. You don't you don't know who to associate. Oh, with. that's right. You live in <laughs> Cleveland, a freaking armpit, a dump hole of America. Holy crap! And you make yeah, fun of me that I live in Connecticut. 
So we yeah, got yeah, yeah, you may, you may, you, you know, so you could use that. Connecticut's not much better. Connecticut is not much better, <laughs> but you're the last person. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little rougher in parts, yeah, but you know, the whole live in a glass house, don't throw a rock sort of thing might apply here, but you know, yeah, I'd rather you. give you shit and just deal with it. But anyway, yeah, Shawnee asked about Jakeem Grant. I've really been looking for an opportunity to talk about him. He just says, is Grant a Reggie Bush slash Darren Sproles-like weapon, or can he be used as an almost every down player? And I think the short answer is no. I don't think we can use him as an every down player yet. I don't think he's built like Darren Sproles. Um, I think he's possibly even more explosive than Darren Sproles, but he doesn't have those thick, like, you know, whatever meat that Vikings have in the center of their table, you know, that big, like, hog leg looking thing. That's what his legs look like, Darren Sproles. I mean, he's a pretty thickly built dude. And Jakeem yeah. Grant's a little more on the uh, on the skinnier side of things. And granted, that probably helps him with his quick twitch. I mean, it's, you saw it in there, MC Money, I'm sure. Some of the moves he was making was just absolutely ridiculous. He was one that, the turbo button, and then, he, then he hit the spin button, and then he hit the juke button, and he was just gone. I mean, it, yeah, it was just really impressive. And ironically, the, the one punt return that I saw him have that was the most impressive to me was just the 12-yarder that he had. It was about with you know, 12 minutes left in the second quarter. And he gets the punt, and he immediately has two people right in front of him, and he bounces directly right. And he's kind of stringing yeah. the play out right and then is able to get a cut upfield. And you can just look at the body language of the Giants guy that he blows by. And it's just kind of like WTF, how the shit did that just happen? I mean, how, you know, it, it just it just seemed like he had a great angle. And Jakeem Grant was just able to cut upfield and get an extra 10 yards. And that was a play I had tried to keep a kind of reserved approach towards Jakeem Grant. But after seeing that cut, just in itself, being able to cut up the field like that on that punt return made me think that he is unquestionably a very real playmaker for us. But at the same time, I don't think, like I said earlier, I don't think he's built like Darren Sproles and and is of the thicker variety to be able to absorb some hits as well as Sproles did. So, uh, you know, granted, he's quick and fast, and you can't hit what you can't catch. But if you hit him one time, it might be really bad. So I just uh, I, I anticipate him being more of the sub-package variety, you know, getting the screens, uh, the reverses, trying to get the ball into space for him, especially early to see what kind of durability he has. If he proves me wrong, great. You know, it's not going to hurt my feelings at all. Um, so it would be nice for him to display the durability over the course of a NFL regular season, see what kind of bumps and bruises he has. Is, but it's it's going to be interesting that if his body can hold up to the rigors of the NFL, what this guy can do for us from a playmaking standpoint. It's, it's got to be very exciting for Adam Gase. I mean, calling the plays and setting up the offense, basically. It's got to be very exciting for him to have a player like that. Very good. Let's jump to another question. I will take this one. Uh, 013F, with a new year and a young team, don't we need a new fight song with some attitude? Uh, Zero, don't you remember when they tried this uh, years ago? I know I know that new song by T-Pain didn't have a lot of attitude to it, but T-Pain. <laughs> that's my boy. The backlash was <laughs> really bad, and they ended up going back to the traditional fight song. So, no, there's no way they changed that fight song again and even – and even go with it. Let me take another one from Zero. Uh, didn't know our stadium would be called Hard Rock with a name like that. We need a new song with attitude. Again, I don't think that's going to happen. Let's jump back up. Uh, I'll, since those two questions were short, I'll take this one. Is Devontae Parker going to have a limited career because of his foot pain, or is he going to find ways to overcome it? Okay, so here's the thing with Parker. He had that foot injury coming out of college. He had the you know, lingering issue back in training camp last year. But these things that are popping up now, really aren't because of that. They are because that he is not taking care of himself the right way. He is not eating the way he's supposed to be eating. He's not conditioning the way he's supposed to be conditioning. And apparently during the offseason, he didn't do what he needed to do completely. So right now, it's more of a matter of him getting more mature, understanding what it takes to succeed in the NFL, 
and doing the right thing. Remember, guys, this wide receiver group is extremely young. They were learning from the likes of Mike Wallace, Brian Hartline, and Devon Best. Well, no, Devon, but yeah, Devon Best was around for a little bit. Uh, so they don't have a lot to really go by a veteran, a true veteran who really work ethic to really learn from. So Parker, yes, Landry's that alpha male, but alpha male in that room, but he's still learning too. Griff Whalen, Whalen can provide a little bit of veteran leadership, and Sean Jefferson has played before, so he's going to be helping Parker out there. But now that they have their hands on him, it's more of him taking care of himself than anything else. And if he can do that, then that, that will be the turning point in his career. Uh, and I'm going to throw it back to you for this one. PC Principal asks, can we save money by releasing or trading Matt Moore if Doughty pulls out again this week? I, I think that's a very valid question, honestly. Um, Matt Moore kind of sucked in that last game. I thought he might have the – Start know, Matt the Moore. Start padded. Matt Moore. He should be the quarterback. Oh, yeah. Suck a fart out of my butt. Matt no, Moore did not I'm do sure that Alpha, well I'm sure Alpha game. would, though. I'm, I'm sure Alpha would. I know. That was a little harsh. I'm sorry, MC Money. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Are we cool? You got it. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay. Just keep on talking. I'll, okay. Okay. Alpha will come over and rub your back later in case you're still feeling a little bit off. But, but anyway, yeah, um, Matt Moore, you know, like I said, had that padded stat sheet with throwing that lucky touchdown to Matt Hazel, and he almost got picked off by Jonathan Casillas a couple plays before he actually did get picked off by Jonathan Casillas. And he just, I don't know. I mean, do we really need him going forward? We're not a, you know, we might make the playoffs this year. I won't say that. But it doesn't seem like we are the type of team that needs to have a quote unquote legit backup to do what we need to do this year. We just, I'm thinking it's more more apropos to go with Tana Hill, put our eggs in that basket, and if not, then we go Brandon Dowdy and then we can find out what we actually have in this kid and let him and instead of letting him just ride the bench, hope you know, hopefully we don't have to try to stash him on the practice squad or something, God forbid somebody snatches him up. Um, I've liked what I've seen from him so far. I know Matt Moore is definitely not the future, and he's not really the current either. Um, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot of lose in going with Dowdy as your second quarterback. And, you know, the season's pretty much screwed anyway if Tannehill goes down anyway. So, A, we would get to see more out of Brandon Dowdy, and then B – theoretically have a better draft fit going into it. So I don't see Matt Moore would help us hover around seven and nine and eight and eight. Best case here's scenario. The, if yeah, here's the thing with the town. So I don't that just leads us in purgatory anyway. So I I guess just from a decision making standpoint, I would not hesitate to just release Matt Moore outright or see if there's any trade value, which I don't think there is, but who knows? The NFL is kind of weird, but I, I I would think that Brandon Dowdy would be a suitable number two for us. Well, let's just take a step back here and look at the numbers. If they caught him, they're not going to cut him outright because it's going to cost them money. They didn't save anything; it would actually cost them one point eight seven five in dead money plus an extra four hundred seventy five thousand uh, dollars. So over two million just to cut him, and they're not going to get any cap savings. The interesting part, though, if they trade him, uh, they will basically have a wash they'll have 750,000 in dead money they'll have 650,000 in cap savings next year they would have 375 in dead money and 1.775 in cap savings if they cut him um yeah I don't just don't see them cutting I just don't see them cutting him so we'll have to wait for an injury well, and then I don't know, I don't my know about MC money that was my hope and dream that we were gonna go with Brandon Dowdy yeah. number two nope. and he just burst nope. in my bubble maybe, maybe next year there's a very good chance it happens next year hell he may be the okay, number one in a few years all right all right yeah, all I, right I, put me on mute put me on mute put me on mute <laughs> all right let's talk about uh the upcoming game against the Cowboys then we're going to go back to our we have some few questions on there We'll jump back to our live thread, and then I'll talk about the stadium real quick before we wrap the show. Uh, stay with us. we got about seven, ten more minutes uh, before, we, before we wrap everything up. So, Sutton, I want you to name two or three things, really brief, what you're going to be watching for on Friday. Well, the first thing I'm looking for is a drive 
or a big play by the by the first team offense that would just give us I think a get the schneid off our back a little bit if we just see a little momentum garnered on that first team offense see if we can string a few plays together and or get a big play to Jarvis or JJ or Devontae or whoever we decide to start that night it would be nice to to see a drive I'm also looking to see who starts at O-line and how that particular group assuming that it's different than the the last one that we saw uh, how they play together. I'd like to see that offensive line come together, and I would really love to stop worrying about the offensive line as a Dolphins fan. It would be nice to kind of put that out on my brain for a couple of years. All right, good, good stuff. So what I'm looking for on Friday, and I'm looking like you are the first-team offense, how are they going to respond? I'm also looking at the first-team defensive line. We got some starters playing. We got Wade playing. We got Williams playing. We got Byron Maxwell playing on defense as well, so I want, I'm very interested to see how that works. And then finally, I want to see more Jakeem Grant. I want to see him get into space more. And the guys I kind of talked about tonight, Sam Young, Phillips, Julius Wormsley, want to see how they do. And I know this is more than three, but I'm the host, and I can do whatever I want. And I want to <laughs> see Laramie Tunsil, where he lines up with the offensive line and how well he does again and how Dallas Thomas responds. Um, and if you talk bad about him on Twitter – you are not going to end well with him. All right, let's jump back to that is again uh, before we jump back to the live thread. That is Friday night, the Miami Dolphins versus the Dallas Cowboys. Make sure you watch and we'll watch the world come to an end, crash and burn. The Dolphins for their first incomplete pass. Questions on Twitter today again. You can use the hashtag Finsider Radio. Any day during the week, I will save them in my queue. I will bring them up during the podcast. The first one comes from Rob Caruth. Which rookie has been the most surprising in camp and has a shot of making the roster? Sutton, you want to take this one? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not sure that any rookie that we drafted this year would be a shock to make the team. Um, I think Jordan Lucas is the one draftee that has the most danger of not making the team. Um, but I've liked what I've seen out of – even Thomas Duarte had a nice little play in that game in the, in the preseason game, hauling in that fourth and one, made a nice cut-up field, scored a touchdown. Um, granted, you know, Gase had mentioned in the press conference that still has a little work to do as an inline blocker, but we all knew yeah. that. We knew this kid was a little bit smaller and had played wide receiver mostly at UCLA, so it's going to take some time with this kid, but um, I'm hoping that he could hopefully uh, uh, improve the red zone offense that we have at minimum this year. Um, it would be nice for him to catch a uh, catch a touchdown or two. But in terms of other rookies, um, undrafted ones, I haven't really heard much about the undrafted rookies of this year compared to last year. We had heard a little bit about Neville Hewitt um, before roster cuts were made. So I haven't been hearing a whole lot about the undrafted uh, players and it certainly seems like Andrew Franks is going to win his battle with Marshall Cohn at kicker. So I really just foresee all the draftees making the team, um, again, aside from Jordan Lucas, perhaps, and uh, hopefully, you know, doing something with the roster spot. Yeah, all right. So Duarte is very intriguing. Uh, we heard Adam Gates today said Jordan Cameron's struggling to pick up the offense. We will see how that goes. Don't be surprised if Deion Sim leapfrogs him pretty soon. All right, I'm going to throw it back to you. In second question, which player, again from Rob Carruth, which player will be most surprising not to make the roster? Which player would it be surprising to not make the roster? Yes, to not make the roster. uh, Yeah, and Sue not making the roster would be pretty shocking. (laughs) Um, but but yeah, uh, yeah if we're if we're if we're going if we're going rookie here, I think we can obviously roll out Tunsil. I don't think there's any way he gets cut. Um, that's actually a fair question. I think it would be it'd be kind of shocking if Jakeem Grant got got cut at this point, wouldn't you think? Considering the splash yeah. plays that he's made and and the versatility that he's shown, but again, kind of being in a log jam in some ways. Uh, it would that would be kind of surprising to let let that kind of player go. Yeah, and I don't know if this is really surprising or not, but Jameel Douglas, who I mentioned, uh, he was a draft pick last year. 
Uh, he's in danger of being mm-hmm. tied. He's already the third string center on the on the depth chart, and he struggled mightily in the game against the Giants. So maybe not surprising to be cut, but to quick to cut ties so quickly, um, that might be a little eye opening for for many players on the team and many fans as well. Let's have another question coming in from Twitter. Esteban Sabrero's our boy. How many snaps would you like to see Laramie Tunsil get as a first team left guard on Friday night? I'm not really into this big hole snap thing. I would like to see him play at least two series. Uh, one with the first team, at least one with the first team, uh, two with the first great, but he'll probably just get one. And then I would like to see him, you know, if it's one first team, one second team, that's fine with me. But really just getting out there with that first team and getting up some first team competition on the defensive side of the ball will be good for him. And last question on Twitter. Uh, actually, we got two more questions on Twitter before we jump back to the live live thread. One, will this offense ever get its shit together? That is a great question, Terry Schmidt. Um, Schmidt asked about shit. Um, <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. Up, yeah, so it takes a while, guys. This is a whole another conversation. I'm going to make a note that we're going to talk about this next week, the whole evolution of an offensive system in the NFL and, and how long it takes. There's many, many, many things and many stories about teams taking at least five to eight weeks to learn a new offense. And that is regular season. So we have a way to go. Just relax guys. And the last one from Schmidt, um, are offensive tackles actually any good or are we kidding ourselves? And right now we're kidding, ourselves, but hopefully that picks up as the preseason goes on. Let's jump back to the live thread on the finsider.com. And will we see Foster and more of a J in the running next time against the Cowboys? Also, which Talking TEs is going to pull away and be the number one. We just kind of touched on the tight end. We'll touch really quick on Foster. We know he's playing on Friday night. Uh, this one seems kind of obvious, but Sutton, what are your thoughts on Foster and a J uh, Friday night? Yeah, like you said, Foster is going to be playing, so that's encouraging. We're going to see him probably with the same script that maybe a running back would have for the first preseason game, so maybe he'll play a drive or two and then probably peace out of the game. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of flow he has with the offense. He's always had great vision as a runner. So I just want to see if he still has that same kind of plant and cut ability to use that vision to his benefit. Um, So I think we'll see a lot in that that, uh, first couple of series for him. And especially if they throw the ball to him, I think we'll see how natural of a pass catcher he is. And I would just like to, to get a glimpse to see if we're going to get the Arian Foster, the, the A-plus Arian Foster that fantasy football players are used to seeing with the stuff that he can do on a stat sheet, um, or we're going to see a little bit more of a watered-down product. Um, but like I said, he'll probably get a drive or two. JJ will probably come in for the next maybe three or four drives, and then we'll see um, the rest of the guys, I would assume. Um, so I just want to see JJ um, stay healthy, and really that's my that was what I came away very impressed with that first preseason game. We had very minimal injuries. We had only a few um, minor injuries after that game. So I'm really hoping that we can stay healthy going into uh, you know after that second game, going into the third game, and just keep that health intact for us. I think that's really important for us as fragile as we are at some positions. Yeah, um, you know, that's just basically the way it is and the things that we're going to have to move forward. The running back position, question of itself, can anyone stay healthy? Do we need to put everyone in bubble wrap? But like you mentioned, looking at Foster, seeing how he does on Friday night is going to be very important to getting him back in the state that the Dolphins need him to get back in with this low-risk, high-reward move that they made by signing Arian Foster. Let me jump now to the whole stadium deal. Let me spend a few minutes on that, give you some background information on really what happened. And what happened was about a month or two, about two, two, three months ago, the Dolphins had narrowed their stadium choices down to Hard Rock Stadium and Cutter Airlines. When they leaked that information to the media, they started receiving some backlash from some season ticket holders issues that Qatar is with, background, and so forth. Qatar was going to offer more money than Hard Rock to be on stadium, but due to the political pressure, not only here in the States from others in the area, 
but also from season ticket holders and other people invested into the team, the Dolphins ultimately decided to go with Hard Rock Stadium. And I, and I love the name. I think it's great. They'll probably be adding a Hard Rock restaurant into the stadium. They already have the club. Do they have a Hard Rock Stadium in, in Hard Rock Stadium, right? Do they, do they have a Hard Rock restaurant in Hard Rock Stadium already? I don't think I haven't seen one when I've been there. Um, but I'm sure that's coming. So Sun Life is gone. The insurance company is gone. Dolphins have a new stadium with a new coach, with a new era, and it should be lots of fun. And I cannot wait. Actually, I don't know if I'm going to get down to Miami this year. We are looking for houses right now, and we're closing in on one. So we might be closing right when I usually go down to Miami. And plus, you all know, once you buy a house, your life is so I don't even know why I'm excited to buy a house, but it is what it is. <laughs> uh, are you excited about Hard Rock, Sutton? Well, I'll, I'll be honest. Heavy metal is my favorite kind of music. So to have a stadium just called Hard Rock and, you know, I'm not really particularly interested in their business avenues or anything like that. Don't really care from it care about it from a financial standpoint for them, but it's cool to just right. have Hard Rock Stadium be it instead of, you know, Sun Life or Joe Robbie or Land Shark or whatever we're gonna whore ourselves yeah, out to you know, to get to get a stadium name on the on the billboard there. So um so it's kinda cool that's hard rock and it happens to be my favorite genre of music. So that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Well well it's gonna be great with the new stadium with the new roof with the Eagles been posting updates. That stadium is going to be rocking this coming season, as long as the Dolphins are winning. Hopefully, it's not rocking because Tannehill is throwing interceptions <laughs> every other game. Oh God! But yeah, we please, all know it's going please. to be 17-0 this year. So everyone, just relax, okay? Just relax. All right. So that is it for this week's edition of Finside Radio. I was joined by Sutton tonight. Radio is supposedly working, although we think he's somewhere else. McKinney says he's on vacation, but who the hell knows where he is? He doesn't even talk during the shows. He just sits in the background and does what he has to do. And I don't think any of us want to know what he does during the shows. But that is it for this week on Finsider Radio. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the game against the Dallas Cowboys. Remember, it's week two. Still relax. Don't freak out. The world is not coming to an end. We'll be back here next Tuesday night, same place, same time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. In the meantime, talk to us on Twitter. Talk to us on a live thread, and we will interact. Have a great night. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.